Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Well, Queens, welcome back. We have Dr. Tommy John here today, and we're going to give you a little bit of background on him, and then we'll jump into some questions we were dying to ask. So Tommy, Dr. Tommy John has his master's degree in health and exercise science from Furman University. Dr. Tommy John brings over 17 years of health experience to the table. At completion of his studies, Dr. Tommy played professional baseball for three years with teams such as Schomburg Flyers, Tyler Roughnicks, and the L.A. Dodgers. After his career was abruptly ended from a rare infection in his throwing shoulder, Dr. Tommy developed his own baseball performance company, providing over 11,000 baseball training sessions for baseball enthusiasts from ages 6 to 30. Additionally, he expanded his practice of personal training, sports performance training, and rehabilitation of all types of soft tissue injuries. Dr. Tommy... John, John, excuse me, Dr. Tommy was drawn to chiropractic because he realized there was a higher element missing from the healing performance process and proper function of the human body in the innate intelligence and nervous system, the brain, the brainstem, and spinal cord. See, now he's talking our kind of language care. Yeah, baby. (laughs) That paramount observation led him to obtain his doctor of chiropractic degree from Life University in Georgia, where he graduated magna cum laude. As a son of renowned Major League Baseball pitcher Tommy John, who played in the Major Leagues for 26 seasons and was the first person to come back in 1974 from the revolutionary surgery named the Tommy John surgery. It's not surprising that Dr. Tommy developed a passion for proper healing and physical function as he witnessed firsthand the outcomes of injury, innovation, and principled healing. Dr. Tommy John also has a book just released in June 2018 called Minimize Injury, Maximize Performance, a Sports Parent Survival Guide, whose unique program, A Diet lifestyle and movement plan for injury and performance proofing young athletes in every sport and that is all we're going to say about you (laughs) that is there's plenty more that we can say from you have a very accomplished background Oh man. Uh, well how did your upbringing shape what you wanted to do as a profession and the philosophy by which you practice tell us a little bit more about that yeah, so I, I I always say my parents did it did it a really they did it the right way. They allowed us to explore as many sports as we wanted to. We were mm-hmm. we were always we were always um, encouraged to go outside. We were always encouraged to try things, and we failed all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, nobody's good, right? You're not supposed to be good. Right. Like that's the point. And so they that culture in our house, even in the face of my dad being a very, very accomplished, best at his sport, master of his, of his craft, that still wasn't put down on us. It it just wasn't, it wasn't even an issue. It was very hard to get him to focus on certain things, but, but 
up until our late high school, my late high school career was when he really came on hard and we started getting into the details of coaching. I was 17 years old and, and I had specialized then. And hmm. again, again, average to just above average till then and still was a scholarship player, state player of the year. Um, you know, played professionally, had all these things that we all strive to do. Mm-hmm. There is a time and a place. But again, that culture was bred. I just think also seeing my dad, he was always doing something towards getting better. And I think today we've lost that where it's like I went to rehab three times a week. Why am I not better? Yeah. Or I meditated you know, five times. Why am I not better? It's almost like we check the boxes, so to speak. And, <laughs> right, and we yeah. wonder, you know, why we're not where we're supposed to, because everybody else is doing the same thing. Like, wait a second. If we talk to the best in any industry and you ask them what the secret, they scrunch their eyebrows because they're like, wait, one thing? Right. I, I, I don't know. It's thousands of things. Every single time I wake up to when I go to bed to even in my sleep, that's what he was. And he did, even while he drove, I would watch him do things with his hands and he was throwing pitches in the air with his fingers. <laughs> he was, he was constantly, constantly. And I was just like, what's he doing? You know? And then I was like, Hmm. And you can apply that though to anything, right? It could be, it could be anything that was just baseball for him. It could be music for somebody else, or it could be painting for somebody else or whatever it ends up being, but it's this ongoing process. And that was the culture we were raised in. And I'm super grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Love that. So can you repeat that again for the listeners? You didn't actually start in more specialization until you were 17 years old? Yeah. So I was a basketball, baseball. Those were my really good sports. I played everything outside, mm-hmm. non, non-competitive, non-organized, I, I should say. But, but compet- uh, organized baseball, basketball. Mm-hmm. So my senior year of high school, I had to make a decision. Because I was like, what am I going to do next level? I have the opportunity to play baseball, possibly. Okay, let's get serious. Mm-hmm. And I was 17 years old and I quit basketball. And I remember that was horrendous decision mm-hmm. for me that mm-hmm. I had to make. I made as the athlete with my parents helping, you know, by my side. And then all that off season where bas- basketball would have taken up my time, I devoted to all the things necessary to put me at the next level for baseball. And it was really Senior year was where I showed up. I still didn't commit until after I graduated college, uh, high school. Wow. Mm-hmm. I had not signed. I had not anything. And I still was a scholarship player, state player of the year, played in the Cape Cod League, played two years of professional. Ba- like, we're in such a hurry to get good. I- I'm trying yeah. to, even in the face of science, it's still there. Science shows don't, don't hurry. Don't develop fast. <laughs> take right. your time. Take mm-hmm. your time. Take your time. And that's, that's one thing I did. Which leads us into the next question. So tell us why that you're so adamant that athletes not specialize too early in sport. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So it's one of those things that it's now become through research, the single greatest risk factor to youth injury is, and if we, we say the word specialize, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean picking one sport. It means competing in one sport more than eight months a year. Mm, so okay. what that means is if, if the three of us were, were soccer uh, passionate and our season was our season, we played soccer in the off season. We could still be single sport minded, but in the off season, we didn't play competitive soccer. Mm-hmm. We did things to develop the skills of soccer, which, mm-hmm. which aren't anywhere near soccer. You, you know what I mean? There's, there's other things involved. So there's nothing wrong with 
loving and having passion for one particular sport. But when we compete, meaning play to win, uh, the, the, the big game where in baseball it's on a field, it's not small mini games. Like in soccer, there's mini games that you can play. In tennis, there's mini games. There's pickleball. There's war. There's, you know, there's all these things. Baseball is running bases. Basketball, it's horse. It's it's knockout. It's but playing the actual sport game competitively more than eight months a year is found now research wise one of the most detrimental things we can do to the developing athlete. Also, research also shows that. A multi-sport background, whether organized or not, and again, when I say organized, that means with a team and a coach. The three of us going and shooting hoops is not playing basketball. We're, we're just <laughs> we're just messing around mm-hmm. basketball. Do, do you know what I mean? There's yeah. no pressure. We're just we're just Plain messing pig. around. So that's exactly <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Where you know, if we play multiple sports or we engage and explore multiple sports. We get better grades in school. Research has shown we choose better foods for breakfast. We get better sleep. We get uh, better self. We have better self-efficacy, less depression. We we we've now prepared ourselves to become healthier, happier adults, which is, I think, the purpose of sports. So that yeah, that's so amazing. As Super Bowls coming around the corner, and you hear the background of all these players. I mean, I can remember in my stint with the NFL that one of the players didn't even play football until he got mm-hmm. into college. In I love right. Yeah. So you're, I know def- I agree. Your yeah. definition of specialization is more. Don't let them do that sport competitively year round. It's okay for them to compete at higher levels, but give them a break and do multiple activities. Is that right? Ab- absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and you're, you're trying to lower burnout and mm-hmm. just in th- this quote, and I'll, I'll never forget. And this is kind of a cool point. There was a European soccer coach, and he was criticizing the American system after we couldn't field a World Cup team, which was mm-hmm. kind of embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Okay, embarrassing for our country. Yes, All right. it was. So now, <laughs> now he goes, you know, you, you guys train tired athletes. Mm-hmm. And the, the podcast person was like, what are you talking about? He goes, you guys have five games in a weekend. We yeah. have 20 games in a year. Oh, wow. And so that, that's what I'm talking about, wow. like where we go to compete and win the trophy and win the ring and win first place and show ourselves on Instagram and do all this win, 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 where you have kids going into the first game, American kids, 100%. Now they're competing. Okay, they get to the second game, same day, 85%. So by the time they get to the championship round, they're all playing at 65%. Who mm-hmm. can learn, especially a developing youth? So they're not even learning at the highest level with the capacity to be able to learn. So we're just fostering a tired, exhausted ability before durability. And who's paying the price? It's not parents' pocketbooks. It's the kids' bodies, minds, and souls. Yeah. So are you saying, so if a child, if an athlete is specializing too early in sport, you are finding over time, would you say more burnout, more injury, Anything else that you're finding, kind of the consequences to that? All right, so get ready because this is some this this stuff. Oh just boy, we're bracing ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're ready for it. We're ready. We're ready. This, this is my driving. Like when I see this stuff, I'm like, oh, it, it it literally breaks my heart. And so we we have exactly burnout. There there's a, it, it's not fun anymore. It's mm-hmm. a stressful environment. So now we have concussions, ACLs, Tommy John surgeries, meniscus. Basically, injuries we should see in a professional or later in life in a 10, 11, 12-year-old. Stress fractures in spines. Mm -hmm. 
Now, here's the big one, guys. And this I have family history with, with a brother, and I'm very sensitive to this. There are kids coming in, and I've asked nationally with other colleagues who are doing the same thing as me in practice. Do you guys notice this trend? And they're like, absolutely. Here it is. Kids are being medicated for mental health conditions like anxiety and depression because of their inability to perform in their sport at that age. So the pressure is so huge. Well, now they have the kids saying the word anxiety and depression where they really maybe even shouldn't even know what that is. Yeah. And it's a part of and they can't handle it. Mm -hmm. So now you're talking about their brains being affected, which which again, these decisions like it's such a small sliver that we play sport in life, but the effects are are lifelong. Mm-hmm. And that's what I can't stand. Now we're seeing arthritis in 20 and 30 year olds. Mm-hmm. And it's going to, I hate saying it, but it's going to get worse. It, yeah, it's going to get, I agree. You know? So. Yeah. I'm just thinking of your history and like, I didn't specialize till 17. And I think for yeah. a lot of parents that that is good, so very hard for them not to go along that track of getting their child specialized so early. I think that's really hard for them not to do even though well karen knows i was pressured at one point when my daughter was going into third grade to do competitive basketball i was like you've got to be kidding me she can't even tie her own shoes yet no right (laughs) that's hard yeah but that's it's one thing yeah the injuries but the social pressure social pressure for the kids social pressure for the parent Mm -hmm. it's it's almost the peer pressure that we we kind of warn and try to train kids to deny maybe drugs and alcohol or, or doing things that are dangerous, the peer pressure at, as adults is almost even stronger mm-hmm. right. and, and more vicious, mm-hmm. you know? And it's it's one of those things I'm trying, I just try to equip yourself with the, you don't have to go far for the research, just every day, Google, youth sports specialization, sports injuries, youth sports injuries, it's all there. Mm-hmm. The research is on the side of the decisions we're not doing. Right. So it's like, you know what? Just like my kids, not going to drink and smoke and play play with knives and play with fire and go to bed late and eat candy. <laughs> they want to, but, but we're going to, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're not going to give them the knives. Yeah. We're not going to give them the, yeah. Here's your cigarettes, <laughs> but don't do it. As a family, because you get like, my kid loves it though. Dude, kids love a lot of things they're not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's help, let's help shape that. Or, mm-hmm. and, and again, it, it's one thing, knowledge, but action, yeah. you, you know, and the knowledge is there. It's just, taking action in the face of the majority. And it's so hard, but that's why I say, I'm like, I had a dad in the other day. I'm not kidding you. His son has a broken elbow at 10 years old, Mm. fractured elbow from Mm. throwing, not even overthrowing, just participating in baseball. Oh my gosh, overused. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that showed up. He wanted to ask me, he wanted me to give him a green light on being able to play shortstop that weekend. It's October. He has a broken elbow. Mm. no No you're not gonna get it from me and he's like but again i was looking on and the concern on his face he's like it was more not oh man the health of my son it was how am i gonna tell the community yeah how am i Mm. gonna tell my the families that want him to play Mm -hmm. and i said you want to know what you have you have the ultimate hall pass Mm -hmm. it's an x-ray of a broken bone (laughs) yeah here you know it's a pretty good excuse wow that's it like put it onto a name tag and just stick it on his chest. I'm, I'm obviously joking. And it's, it, again, it's not something to make fun of, but it, I was sitting and I'm like, are you, really, is this where we are? 
And this is a, one of the president of the Little Leagues, guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's at the top, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. how many other thousands of league officials are having this same battle. And right. I know it's it's thousands upon thousands upon thousands because the kids are being injured thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Mm -hmm. Right. So. When we talk about behavior change, right? Like starting at the top of that culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I was telling her today I saw an article that the High School Athletic Association posted. I know this doesn't necessarily have to do with injuries, but it does with yeah. the culture that they're having a shortage of officials. And so they were interviewing current officials and officials that had left what their number one reason why they didn't want to participate or why they couldn't get recruitment. And it was the adults. So like some of the games are having to be postponed or canceled in the Kansas athletic high school because they don't have enough officials. Like really, people? Oh my gosh! Right, mm -hmm. that's right. You sports? They don't want to deal with the parents. Yeah, <laughs> even Andy Reid right? just got onto somebody for throwing a snowball at a football game. I mean, come on! Right, <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. on a positive note, what are some things as an athlete themselves, and then as an athlete parent, that we can help do to minimize injuries? That's such an awesome question. So, one, let's equip ourselves with what's going on out there, so we don't become part of that statistic, because. Mm -hmm. As you guys know, in the book, it's rethink is the first step. And, and these are just principles and guidelines. But we have to rethink that what we're doing isn't ideal. And I get people who come in my office who, who list all the specialists they have, all the things they're doing, all the treatments, all this. And they're not better. And I'm like, OK, let's make that statement that whatever you've been doing isn't working. And they have to admit that because everything I'm about to say is going to come from the opposite. And until they acknowledge this just isn't working, I can't I, we can't make a dent. We can't make that change. They have to accept, OK, it hasn't been working. OK, good. So now equip yourselves with the knowledge of the choices that we're making right now. As of now, the majority are not ideal. Secondly, I look to foods first. Right. So nourishment. These kids need oh, they need nutrients like crazy. Mm -hmm. They're growing like weeds. Mm -hmm. Their systems are just like thriving and they want so much. And we can't, we're not going to stop them. All we could do is just put them in the best environment, like a plant, you know, plant them in nourishing, good, good, dark soil, and then water them, give them sunshine, give them love. Um, so it's, it's, it's as a family now. And, and I've had families come in and they fail when it's just the kid who's supposedly the athlete. Oh, he eats well. The rest of us, no, they're on a special diet. Yeah, nah, it's got to it has to be like a culture, like you said, a culture of the nation, a culture of a home, of a mm -hmm. family. You know, everybody's got to be in support because if somebody's an outlier, it doesn't last. It, it just won't last in long term. And that's what we're looking for. So the replenishment part of the rebuilding process, childhood and free play is training for like the first 10, 12 years of their lives, like crawling on the ground climbing, falling, running, skipping, hopping. I was watching kids over by the ocean. They were running and having the ocean chase them. Mm -hmm. It was like the greatest trainer in the world is this <laughs> ocean, right. you, you know, and the, the girl was hopping in the ocean and there were no sets. There were no reps. There was no multiple, multiple movements on many planes and they were falling and learning and crawling. And, oh, it was fascinating. So trying to invoke a culture of free play. Mm -hmm. I know that's extinct now, but that's extinct because we've, cho we've chosen to make it extinct. Yeah. So if we can try, and that might mean everybody going outside together as a family after dinner, we're going to walk, we're mm -hmm. going to go take a walk together, not just athlete. Have you done your walking yet? No, let's all go together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or, 
or let's all till the yard together or let's all, you know, let's all get back to chores, daily chores, stuff like that. Just fostering a, a physically competent environment as much as possible with part of that being explore other sports. Mm-hmm. Even if you suck, it's okay. <laughs> like, just do it, man. Like, like box, it, oh, <laughs> just go hack. Go get some clubs and just go hack and have fun and don't even think twice. You know, um, yeah. that that needs to be with everyone again participating. Uh, so that's like the rebuilding process. Think of it as a pyramid. The foundations first, with the very very top portion being skill, and then finally recovery is the last part of that four part plan. We a lot of these kids are so tech, tech abuse, meaning mm-hmm. screens, right? Mm-hmm. That their bodies don't know what's daylight, what's screen light. Is it sunshine? Is it blue light? Am I awake? Am I supposed to be tired? Mm-hmm. And you can see the battle in these kids' eyes. That they don't know when they're supposed to be tired. And, and they're very confused. And mm-hmm. sleep is one of the biggest, biggest things that we need to do. And if we're in deficit, we're going to catch up at some point. It might be when we're 90, we're sleeping all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, at some point we have to have, and in youth, my gosh, naps, going yeah. to sleep, a bedtime, no, no technology, one and a half hours to two hours before bed, mm-hmm. you know, trying to foster that, that good recovery environment. Um, and again, I think the biggest, the biggest thing as athletes, we're all human athletes, whether we play sports or not. Even the 86-year-old who has osteoporosis and MS still has to get up and down off the toilet, still has to navigate stairs, still has to grab a bag, might possibly have to survive a fall. So that's no different than the 10-year-old athlete trying to acquire some sports skill. Yeah. We're, all, we're all on that spectrum. And we all, so the point being, the entire family is behind this this approach and the beauty part about all that especially with what's in the book there isn't a specific plan it's just guidelines there's just principles in performance and healing that each individual has to figure out what's best for them what's the best diet we don't know everybody has something different Mm -hmm. you know like we don't we don't have any idea what's the best bedtime no idea what's the best you know movement plan I, i don't i don't know what sport's my favorite Kids could be good at one sport at 10 year old and be awful at that sport at 12 years old because of how they developed, right. but they might be good at something else, you know, and if they never get the opportunity, at least the safety to confidently explore that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's okay, you know, because we're all behind it. That's what I think yeah. is relief in a kid's brain that can't handle <laughs> the, the stress and intention that comes from what we're trying to do is, to adultify kids and we need to kidify mm-hmm. adults. <laughs> that's my, that's my roommate's quote. He's like, hey, <laughs> sounds, it sounds like we got to kidify adults. And I'm like, Nick, I'm like, I'm going to quote you on that, man. I'm not going to feel it. That's your quote. Kidify adults. <laughs> I love the aspect of doing sports that you're not great at. I was uh, specialized in track, but I played basketball and I sucked <laughs> at basketball. Right? But the thing was, I enjoyed it so much more because the pressure was off. Like, no one was counting right. on me to, <laughs> to score right. the winning basket. I just kind of played. Um, right. And I enjoyed it even more than really track where the pressure was like, we expect you to win, so win. Oh, yeah. So I love that. Well, yeah. and. 
how many sports come out of play. I was talking with a client yesterday that's wanting to maybe shift from soccer to hurdles. Mm -hmm. And I said, I fell upon being a hurdler because I grew up jumping horses. So when we were done with the horses, we would go in the arena and pretend to be the horses and jump (laughs) over the fences. But it was like that natural jumping ability and kind Uh of mimicking them. So hurdles was a natural transition Mm -hmm. from play. So... That's awesome. All good points. Well, tell us a little bit more about your book, The Minimize Injury, Maximize Performance. So what it, how it came about is I, I am only an extension of my office, and I, I truly can only help who walks through my door or who I'm working with on Skype and FaceTime rehab, right? But I, the problem is nationwide. It's now becoming worldwide, as I've seen, seen guys from Bahrain and the UK and Ireland and all this, and our trends are going over there as well. Mm. So it's mm. starting to kind of take over, right? Mm-hmm. And the book came about, it's, a, it's just an extension that if I could, because I had parents come in, they're exhausted, exhausted from just trying to navigate all the crap that's out there, right? Yeah. And they're just like, who do we trust? Who we? I'm like, honestly, trust yourself. You, you in, innately know your intuition is going to be so much more powerful, but we just got to connect to self. If I had a manual in hand that I could give you, what would you think of that? And they're like, oh, my gosh, yes. Where do I get it? Okay. So then that became something that even though sometimes it's being met with opposition, because some people don't like being told that maybe they're not choosing ideal environments, right? Or, mm-hmm. or they might be a part of the problem. Like, okay, I respect, I, I respect that and, and completely accept that. Sometimes the book sitting on the coffee table, this is the year that it's going to make the change, you know, or maybe it's the next year. All right. I don't know when it's going to provide you, but now you at least have it in your hands. And what's great is, and I'm real, real, real vocal about this. There is no doctor, no therapist, no coach, no team, no, no wearable technology that is going to save your child. Mm -hmm. There, there's nothing that's good. There's no facility you can go to it starts in the home and ends in the home. Mm-hmm. Everything that we're doing is providing their habits and their choices that they're going to make later on. These epidemics are in the hands of the parents, which is amazing responsibility. With that comes great power, right? But, but then it's also accountability, and it's a little scary. Like, wait, this is on me? Well, heck yeah, but you're a parent. <laughs> that, that's, you know what I mean? Like, it's you're the parent of the of child. Blank <laughs> slate. Let's go. You're, <laughs> You're it. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. And, and what I love, what I love is in my office, I'm just trying to empower because we're terrified now. We're terrified yeah. of a medical mistake. We're terrified of germs. We're terrified of food. We're terrified of sports. And it's like, wait, what is going on? We shouldn't live our life in fear. It mm-hmm. should just be this thing that we try to do the best to build our bodies up to the to the most powerfully abundant, strong, immune, well-slept, nourished, you know, happy, positive. And then we go out and life just comes at us. Let's yeah. go. You know, <laughs> it, let's just adapt. Because really, that's our body's job is just to adapt to the environment. That's all it does. That's why it sweats. That's why it has fevers, chills, swells, bleeds. That's its job. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's do the best we can for these little little adults <laughs> and, and put them in the best environment so that they can ha- hopefully live a, a very, very long, happy, you know, fulfilled life. And the principles and the guidelines are everything. It's in the book. It's just, it's just to the individual or the families to put the meat on the bone, so to speak, to mm-hmm. figure out how they're going to add it to their lives. Oh, but 
So we like to end every interview asking yeah. you know, how you live out the fit philosophy, balancing performance, health, intellect, and time for self. So all these things that you feel like the body needs to do, how do you balance it? Me personally? Yeah. So one, I, I need a why, right? We always go with that. Like my reason, I think life is pretty freaking awesome. Like I just <laughs> think like when, when I, all the things we get to see, feel, hear, think, experience is amazing to me. And so with all those items you just said, they all help me do that better and, and more amplified. Mm -hmm. Well, heck yeah, let's go then. So that's my day to day. And like I said earlier that I alluded to, when I wake up, I'm not checking boxes off. It's all one monster box and it's mm -hmm. all integrated. So no matter what my decision, whether I'm meditating, walking on the beach, working with a patient, thinking about a patient working on myself outside, taking a walk, whatever I'm doing, it's always around and behind that why so that I can express my life to the greatest, the greatest level, which is infinite. It's not measurable. Right. So right. I, that's the way I kind of think like somebody's like, is it possible? And before they end, I'm like, yep. And they're like, wait, what do you mean? I'm like, no matter what you say, it is possible. Like, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but it's literally, it's expectations, not miracles. It's because I think even just being born, even the fact that a woman can grow a human is one of the most craziest things to me so in crazy. the universe. Tell us about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? like you guys are the it. You grew a human. That's unbelievable. Why, and thank so I you. Just like, <laughs> you seriously, medals, jackets, hoisted on shoulders, right. gifts all the time. Like that's, You're that's what we got to get back to. Wow. Yeah. Can I pull that quote and send it to my husband real quick? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's like finding, finding truth in the simplicity. And I, I, I just, I had somebody actually get upset at me because they, they texted me and were like, I had asked you how your day is going, but I don't want to hear how, how amazing it's been. And I'm like, <laughs> but wait a second, then you can't hang out with me because if you text me or call me 99.99% .99 of the time, it's awesome. <laughs> and I, I might go on and on about something mundane, but even in that it's, it's pretty awesome. So as you can hear that, that is your guys philosophy with the PHIT, like that's, that's what I live. Have I been like this all the time? It's been inside me, but I've never known it to be so clear till, you know, the last, since 2010, I would say I had a brother pass away. Mm -hmm. And when that was his perspective on life, and if I could give people perspective without having to go through a divorce or a death or a, you know, but try to get people to right. kind of get, get in tune with what, what exactly is going on inside of me and what they have, what they're entitled to do. You were born you'd have to be exactly as happy and as fulfilled as you could be. Mm -hmm. How do I know that? Because you were born. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's it. You have, you have that right. And life is short, That's right? That's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Well, you gave us some great <laughs> stuff today. Um, and thank you so much. I'm going to go out and work on checking my monster box. Right. And we let's can go. go. We should be showered with gifts. So let's go shopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Expect that. Let's go. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for this. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank the you. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You as well. Bye. Take care. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing soon of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com, to find out when the release date is set and when it'll be on Amazon. Bye, queens.
For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.